So for those who are your guests, we are continuing in our Proverbs sermon series. Now, Proverbs sometimes is really easy to pick a passage and just walk right through the passage, and that's my preference anytime I have the opportunity. But today we're going to jump around a lot. We're, we're going to hit a lot of different verses uh, because we're going to talk about more of a subject matter that's hit in Proverbs in various locations, but not necessarily where I could just walk through it. So I have titled this sermon today, Capital Wisdom. Capital Wisdom. Now, I really, really wanted to give a defense of free market capitalism. I, I in fact, wrote it out and then decided, all right, you're forcing that upon the text. That's not what Proverbs is about. We got to stick to what Proverbs is about. So if you are interested in things of that nature, I would refer you to this book. It's a short book. It's an easy to read book, but it is Wayne Grudem's book, Business for the Glory of God. I would also refer you to our own Dean of the School of Business, Jeff Heyman's book that is entitled, No Free Lunch. The title is interesting to you, read the book, find out more about it, or take a class with Dr. Wheeler or Dr. Heyman to study economics. And maybe later this part, this semester, or sometime in the future, we'll do a Q&A where we talk about free market enterprise and capitalism and a biblical worldview. We may do all of that. So today, even though I've titled it that, we're not going to talk about those particular issues. We are building off two other messages that we've already done this year, though. We're building off of the message on wealth. I'll remind you that the main idea of that message was that wealth is a good resource to steward, but a horrible God to worship. So recognizing that wealth is not evil in and of itself. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. The Bible is full of examples of those who are wealthy. It's a good resource to steward, but it's a horrible God to worship. And then building off of the message last week, where we talked about laziness, we talked about a work ethic. And the main idea there was that laziness is short-sighted, self-centered behavior. That what we should do is demonstrate a love for God, a love for others with a good work ethic, stewarding our influence, service, time, and talents to the benefit of others. So today, we look at a slightly different angle on this. Today, recognizing the neutrality of wealth, recognizing the presence of a strong work ethic throughout the book of Proverbs, I want to talk to you today about business for the glory of God. So the main idea of this particular sermon is that business, your vocation, what you do, should be conducted for the glory of God and the good of others. Now, you might be thinking, but I'm not in the school of business. But that's okay. Because your vocational calling, the business, what you do for a living is your business. It is your work. And whatever you do for work, our work should be conducted for the glory of God and for the good of others. And one thing I want to make sure you understand is that there should be no sacred secular divide. Sometimes in our minds, we get caught up into this mindset where we think, that Sunday, maybe Wednesday, but Sunday is the day that we live for God. And then Monday through Friday, we go to work and we do secular things. Sometimes we get caught in this mindset that we think it's only the pastors or only the missionaries or only those who are called to full-time ministry that are the spiritual workers and that everybody else lives in this secular life. And a lot of these things just don't apply. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The Bible applies to all of us. All of us have gifts that God has given us and all of us have a calling on our lives to be disciples of Christ, to use those gifts that God has given us, to develop them. That's what you're doing while you're here. 
God has given you gifts that you're good at. You're better at certain things than other people. You develop those gifts. You refine those gifts. You understand those gifts in a better way. And then you go out and use those gifts for the glory of God and for the good of others. And that's our calling. Whatever your gifting is, whatever your vocational calling in life is, it is a platform for ministry. It's a platform for the gospel. So today I have two Ps for you. Principles and people. Principles and people. So the first point, we'll look at several verses to support this, but the first point would be principles. In order to conduct business for the glory of God and the good of others, you must have personal principles of integrity. Principles, integrity. One of our core values here, integrity and conduct. It matters, not just while you're a student at Cedarville, but it matters throughout your entire life as you live a life for the glory of God, for the good of others. Let me scroll through several verses with you. Proverbs 1.19 says this, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Proverbs 10.2, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 11.1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, this one may require a little bit of explanation. I think the first two were self-explanatory, but when you think about the weights, the balances, you have to understand that when business was conducted many times in the marketplace in Proverbs, you would have scales. And in these scales, you would weigh something against a, a measurable item so that you could tell what the weight was, so that you could tell how much it was worth. So for instance, if you wanted to buy something, you might hope that it weighed a little less so that you could buy it for a little less so that it would be less expensive for you to purchase. If you were selling something, you might want it to weigh just a little bit more so that the other person would pay a heavier price so that then your profit would grow up. And, and what happens here is this verse is telling us that unjust weights, scales that perhaps they had weights in their pockets and they could pull out one that's a little bit heavier if it would benefit them, or one that's a little bit lighter, if it would benefit them. If you could adjust the prices in a way that you could cheat the other person just a little bit, unjust scales, unjust balances, then this is what Proverbs is condemning. A false balance is an abomination, a strong word to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Doing business in a fair and just way is a delight to the Lord. Proverbs 15, 27 says, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Many of you have friends that are stationed all across the globe. In certain countries where economic principles aren't necessarily what they are in America or in, in other more developed nations, bribes are everywhere. I, I have friends that are missionaries overseas that they they have to experience things like their containers being kept in port because they just won't let them go because they're looking to see what may be in those containers. It's a difficult system when you go through a scenario like this, an economic system that's unjust and on a much smaller level. I'll never forget the time that we were traveling. We'd gone to Mexico. We had decided that we were gonna rent a car and we were gonna drive in and we were gonna look at some of the ancient ruins. 
when we go to rent the car, as we're renting the car, the person behind the counter tells me these exact words. Now, as you're driving, if you get pulled over, make sure you have a $100 bill on you and then just give the $100 bill to the officer and he'll let you go. Now, I'm a, I think I'm a seminary student at the time. I'm sitting here trying to process this. Wait a second. You're telling me that I should take extra money so that when I get pulled over by the policeman that I'm supposed to hand him a $100 bill. And she says, yes. I said, what if I don't want to hand him a $100 bill? I mean, I'm a seminary student, right? You don't have a lot of $100 bills. So what if I don't want to hand him a $100 bill? And the response was, that's just the way it is here. If you don't hand him the $100 bill, you're going to go to jail. Well, what would I get pulled over for? Because you're white and you're driving the car. And they know this is the system. Now, I didn't get pulled over. I don't know if it was true or if somebody was making up a story. But you see here the condemnation of those who take bribes and those who hate bribes, they're being benefited here. They're being spoken well of. And so here we see in Proverbs 16, 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And we could cite study after study of those who have inherited great wealth, those who have won the lottery. It hasn't brought them peace. It hasn't brought them happiness. In fact, it's brought them misery. And what the text is telling us here is that you're better off with just a little bit and righteousness than to have great wealth or great revenues with injustice, the principle of integrity. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10 says, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 20, 17 gives us a graphic image of what's taking place. It says, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man. You think about that. It, you, you get something that's a really good deal. Perhaps you got it in a deceitful way, but you get something you're really excited about. I got this for nothing. I can't believe I got this for this amount. And you hear people brag about those items and it's sweet. They're excited about it. But then afterwards, the text says his mouth will be full of gravel. Anybody ever eaten gravel? Oh, come on. None of you have ever made mud pies as a kid and then forced somebody to eat them. Anybody? I'm not the only one in the room that's eaten a mud pie before. All right, we got two, three. All right, there's four of us in here that are honest. There are four of us in here that have tried a mud pie. It's a nice idea. It, it, it looks like it might be okay until you start chomping away on the dirt and the gravel that was put in the pan and ruined it. It's not a good feeling at the end. And so the text is indicating to us and giving us a lesson that you may think you really want to deceive somebody to gain. You may think it's sweet, but at the end of the day, it's just going to be like chewing on rocks. And who really wants to chew on rocks? Proverbs 20, verse 23. Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. You notice the repetition here of the unjust gain, the scales. Proverbs 21, 6 says, the getting of treasure by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Greed, unjust gain, wickedness, injustice, a lying tongue, principles of the unjust weights, in this day and time, you could cheat the system. You can still cheat it in our day and time, and it's condemned here. The test would be, do you have personal integrity to conduct your business in such a way that it glorifies God and is for the good of others? 
Now we'll come back and I'll give some examples here at the end. But before we do that, let's transition to our second point, people. First, we have to have the personal principles of integrity. And second, we focus on people. In order to conduct business for the glory of God and the good of others, you must care about people. Who is my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? Do I care about other people? In business, I would suggest to you that the businesses I like the most and frequent the most are the businesses that have a win-win scenario. They create a really nice product that I feel I'm getting for a fair price, and then they stand behind that. And when you feel like there's a win-win scenario, when you feel like there's something good and something positive happening, it creates a nice situation. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says this, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow and I will give it when you have it with you. Now, this first section, do not hold good from those whom it is due, is literally do not hold good from its owner. The idea of an obligation, such as perhaps paying salary to a person who has worked for the salary. Now, how many of you would wanna work a job at that job as you work those hours, come to the end of the week and then not get a paycheck for it? You would be frustrated, you would be upset, you would not be happy. And so the idea here is that you pay the wages to the person that has been hired. You don't keep them back so that you may gain interest. You don't wait, you pay the person what is their due when it is time for their due. The second portion here is do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow and I will give it when you have it with you. This is a principle of generosity. Now I have to admit to you, this is a principle I struggle with somewhat. I learned early on in life, there are two ways to say no. You can either say no or you can make it difficult on somebody so that they don't want to actually take advantage of whatever it is. And I was an oldest child. And so I'm one of those people that I like to have all my own stuff and I never like to borrow anything from anybody else. And I really don't like people to borrow stuff from me either. Anybody out there have that issue? Yeah. So when somebody comes and they say, can I borrow this? My first inclination is no, go buy it yourself. Now, I don't say that to them because I've been saved and redeemed and I understand that that's not a good reaction. That's a sinful reaction that I have inside myself. But then there's a second reaction because I realize I'm not supposed to say no, go buy it yourself. The second reaction is to say to them, hmm, only if you will borrow it on Friday between two and 5 a.m. in the morning and have it returned promptly. And anybody else have these thoughts or am I the only wicked, evil, sinful person in the room? All right. So what this text is telling me in my own scenario, is that I need to be more generous. And fortunately for me, God has used family as one of those things to help me learn about my own selfishness. My wife is very generous. She will help anybody, anytime, anyplace. She is a people person. I have learned more about my own selfishness from watching her be unselfish, which is convicting and frustrating at times. But it is true that we have a son that will let me borrow anything. All right, this, you're just gonna think bad of me after this is over, but this is just being honest. Like even when I'm eating M&Ms, right? I want more, more M&Ms than anybody else. But I'll give him M&Ms. He's like, here, dad, have some M&Ms. I'm sitting here thinking, well, I wouldn't be giving away my M&Ms. These are, these are good stuff. I mean, <laughs> but there's a heart of generosity that's just natural to some people. And some of you have that and you don't understand why I'm this way. Don't judge me, all right? Some of you in the room completely understand and have the exact same thing. You're watching people in line at Chuck's and you're looking at that best pizza pizza that's got the most meat and the most cheese on it. And you're standing back there saying, don't you get my piece of pizza. 
It's not your pizza, but you have that same inner selfishness that many of us have that's not an impulse to give or an impulse to be generous. And yet what the text is telling us is that in all of life, we shouldn't say to our neighbor, go, come again tomorrow. I'll give it to you then, even though we have it with us right there. It's, we don't want to give it. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 26 says this, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Have you ever seen it? A person just gives and gives and gives and they can't outgive God and they can't give away enough stuff and they continually grow wealthier and wealthier. And another withholds what he should give. So focused on gimme, gimme, gimme and still suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. And think about this principle here. Somebody who has grain, but they hold it back. Supply and demand, they're driving up the cost of the grain. Others need grain, but because it's being held back, they're not giving the grain out. And so the people curse him. He has it all, but he won't give us any of it. But to the person who gives it or who sells it to the others, then there's a blessing upon his head. Proverbs 20, verse 14. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. Oh, this is so true. Think about it. How many of you have ever gotten a really good deal on something in your life? But when you're negotiating that really good deal, did you look at the person you were negotiating with and say, man, that's a really good deal. Are you sure you want to give it to me at that price? No. You look at whatever it may be. Perhaps you're buying a guitar or something. You look at it and you go, huh, there's a scratch right here. I'm really not sure it's worth that value. Even though you know it's a really good deal. That used car that you're looking at. There's a clicking noise. I'm not real sure what that clicking noise is. Maybe this is too high of a price. And then you walk away from the deal and your chest rises up a little bit higher and the shoulders go back and there's a little spring in your step and you begin to boast. Here it is. It happens. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but then he goes away and he boasts about his good deal. Proverbs 22, 16. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Whoever oppresses the poor, there's a principle here for us as well. We should give to the poor out of generosity. We should not oppress the poor. We should not create systems. We should not be involved in systems. We should not be involved in businesses that oppress people in order to make profit off of the oppression. Proverbs 28.8 says, Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. We should not have to have systems which force generosity to the poor because as believers in Christ, we understand that while we were poor spiritually, Christ came to this earth and gave us great riches through his death on the cross so that we could be united with Christ, so that we could be justified then and have salvation, so then we freely give to others as an example of that generosity that Christ has already given us. So let's look at some application here. Think about ways that companies do unjust business in our modern society. Think about ways that the poor could be oppressed. Have you ever been to a pawn shop? Have you ever looked at places that will buy things for a portion of the value and set it back and 
then you have to pay to get it out upon or they just keep it and then they sell it. Have you ever seen all of these places as you drive through a lower income community of the payday loans that take place with the really high interest rates that take advantage of the fact that somebody needs cash quickly, predatory lending? Have you ever seen a company do false advertising? You've seen it. It happens all the time. There's this magic pill. You can take this magic pill, and if you take this magic pill, you can eat anything you want and you'll still lose weight. You can eat ice cream at night and pizza in the morning. But if you take this magic pill, eat anything you want, and you're still gonna lose weight. I'm not gonna ask how many of you have taken the magic pill or seen the commercial and thought you needed to order some of the magic pills. But how many of you have been driving down the interstate to see a gas station sign, a large one on the side of the interstate that advertised a price and then you pull into the gas station and when you get to the gas station, you see that the price that's on the sign was fine print, cash only, and you always pay with a debit card. And it just happens to be 10 cents more if you pay with a debit card or credit card. And just because we like efficiency, we're not gonna go to the next gas station. We're just gonna stay at that gas station. So we pay 10 cents more and we go inside and buy a soda that's way overpriced and a snack at the same time. Not that I'm bitter about that happening at all. <laughs> Hidden fees. Anybody ever rented a car? Yeah, you rent a car. You, you go to the website. It tells you it's gonna be this much a day. You click on the button to rent the car and all of a sudden that price is doubled or tripled even sometimes because of all these different fees that take place before you actually complete the transaction. Or perhaps you have called your local cable company recently. As I have. And when you called your local cable company, they told you they could renew your cable for this low discounted price. Only it took four different visits of cable repair expert people to come to the house to figure out how all of that stuff could fit and the bill never came at what they said the price was gonna be. I still haven't figured out where all the hidden fees are in it yet. Or the cell phone plans. Anybody ever been overcharged in a cell phone plan? Buried somewhere in that 240 page document that we have to click that you agree to in order to download the latest update and have your phone work appropriately are some hidden rules or hidden fees or something of that nature. Get rich quick schemes, often pyramid schemes where those at the top gain from those at the bottom who end up losing. Things that are too good to be true, those emails. Have you ever received an email from your uncle in Saudi Arabia, your long lost uncle who has millions and billions of dollars and just needs you to give your bank account so that he could transfer all of that money over to you? Or perhaps it's from somewhere in Africa and they've noticed the Christian work that you're doing at the university and they've decided they wanna give you millions and millions of dollars, but they just need your help in order to get it out of the country. Anybody ever received those emails? Yeah, there's no money for you in Saudi Arabia or Africa, all right? Don't respond to those emails. <laughs> Intentionally slowing the speed down on your phone to force you to buy newer technology. Oh wait, nobody would ever do that, right? <laughs> that wouldn't happen ever. Yeah, all right, I better move on. Bait and switch. The free 20 point car inspection where you find out you had 18 problems with your car that was working just fine the day before you took it in for the free 20 point car inspection, or the special deal to get you in the door that they don't have. 
do these things frustrate you? They frustrate me because it's not business done in a way that's for the glory of God and for the good of others. But at the employee level, think about what happens. I first heard about this from one of my friends. Did you know that at some airport restaurants, they'll have a fish bowl-like glass bowl sitting beside the counter where you can take your receipt and you can put your receipt into the bowl? And I was told the reason the bowl sits at the counter is because there will be some people that will come and flip through the receipts looking for a receipt to find so they can turn that receipt in on their business expenses so they can be reimbursed for an expense that they never really had and make a little bit more off of the company. Falsifying your receipts. Not claiming tips. You get a tip, you don't claim it as income. Your time card. You pad your time card or you have a friend punch in or punch out for you. Oh, it's just a little thing. It's nothing major, but it's our integrity that's at stake, is it not? Kickbacks from a vendor. Somebody's in the position at a business of negotiating which vendor's gonna be used. That vendor decides they're gonna give a kickback to the person who's making the decision. We'll take you on a trip or a vacation or we'll give you a benefit. They raise the price a little bit to pay for the benefit that's gonna take place. So the person then benefits from it, the company benefits from it, but the overall company that's dealing with that vendor doesn't benefit from it and nobody else knows what's happening. Integrity, tax evasion, cutting corners on your taxes. Let's drill it down to a little bit deeper level here at students at Cedarville University. Cheating on a test. That affects your integrity as a person. In some classes, it can also affect the curve and so it can affect the good of others. Passing along answers for an online class. Nobody's gonna know, but God knows. Are you gonna be a person of integrity that has integrity all throughout life? Or are you gonna be a person that compromises in a little thing here and a little thing here to find out that eventually you've compromised in major areas all along? So last week, I gave an example of laziness. You steal a fork at Chuck's because you're too lazy to walk across the street and buy one. That's not just laziness though, is it? You take a fork. It's a fork. Come on. I pay tuition. It's a fork. You rationalize it, but it's not your fork. And if all of you take forks, then you go to Chuck's and there's no forks. And then everybody complains because there's no forks. I have to eat with a spoon because there's no forks. I have a knife. I can't eat with a knife, but there's no forks. Why not? Because somebody took a fork. It's a little thing, but is it? Isn't it in our life that the little things that we compromise on lead to bigger things that we compromise on. Our integrity either matters or it doesn't. Having someone swipe you into chapel or swiping someone else into chapel. I'm sure that never happens here. But at other places, they even have names for it. Like scan and scram or something of that nature. I don't know what you call it. I'm sure it happens on occasion. So in my time at Cedarville, I have had the opportunity to work with several businessmen. They own large businesses. They are great, great businessmen. But I've also learned from them that these businessmen are people of integrity and that they fully believe that God has called them to the work that they're doing so that they can do it in a way that will glorify God and that will be for the good of others. So let me tell you a little bit about some of these people that I've had the opportunity to encounter. 
They stand behind their products and their service. Any problems, they make it right. Even if it's to their harm, even if they lose money on something, they're gonna make it right. They're gonna make sure that they do business in a way that their name means something. They have integrity. They keep their word. Whatever they do or whatever they say they will do, they end up doing. They're honest in all of their dealings with others. They have a fair price for a fair service and they recognize that their customers are important and because of that, their customers keep coming back to them. They provide a meaningful service in a way that glorifies God and serves others. In their companies, I hear them often talk about relationships as discipleship moments. They hire people sometimes knowing that they have issues because they want to put them with somebody else to create a discipleship moment to help them out in a bad time of life. When things are going wrong, when things aren't going good, they sit down and have conversations with them because there's something more behind what's happening at work. Often work may be the symptom, but it's not the real problem. And so they want to get involved in the lives of people and work on the real issues so that the people can flourish and do things that are great for the glory of God. There's a caring for others that takes place in this. And this applies to all that we do. This applies to us at Cedarville University as faculty and staff. When we see somebody that's struggling, there's a discipleship moment. There's an opportunity to pray, an opportunity to care, an opportunity to drill a little bit deeper and find out what's happening and consider all of the supervisory responsibilities as discipleship opportunities. As a faculty member, as a teacher, as a potential educator, there are opportunities to invest into the lives of students beyond just facts in a classroom, into what's happening in their life, to offer an encouraging word, to pray for somebody, to be able to minister and use the platform that God has given you in a greater and higher way. You are not called to come here to get an education, to go out to get a job just so you can make money to pay the bills, live life, and then die. You are called to use your gifts for God's glory to refine those so you can invest in others so that you have a platform for ministry all around you so that you look to see what God is up to and you get involved in that with encouraging words, with challenging words, with discipleship moments and opportunities to show care and concern for others, to do things with excellence so that people ask you, why is it that you go the extra mile? Why is it that you take that extra care? And for us to say we do things with excellence because we work as we are working unto the Lord, we're not working just for our own benefit. That's what I hope you will grasp grasp and get. There is no secular, sacred divide. Some of you are called to business. You will be owners of businesses. Do so in a way that glorifies God and works for the good of others. Some of you are gonna be those in supervisory roles. You're gonna be in administration. You're gonna be over others. Do so in a way that glorifies God and works for the good of others. Some of you will be employees. Some of you will be teachers. Some of you will work with athletes. Some of you will do any number of things. And as you do those things, do them in a way that glorifies God and works for the good of others. And remember, no one has just an occupation. You have a vocation. You have a calling upon your life to serve God and to serve him well. So let's make sure that in our vocation, that in our work, that in our business, we conduct it for the glory of God, for the good of others. Dear Lord, as we close today, I pray for our students, our faculty, and our staff that you will help us to begin a trajectory of living life in such a way 
that we have personal integrity, of living life in such a way that we are focused on others more than we're focused on ourselves. God, I pray that you will help us to demonstrate excellence in all that we do. And Lord, towards that end, even as we're coming up upon spring break, and I know that we have students that have tests, that have midterms, that have papers, Lord, I pray that you would give them health and the strength to do those things diligently, to work hard, to study hard, to do well, to remember the things that they have learned. Lord, I pray that you will will help them not to look at this as just an opportunity to get something done, but an opportunity to do something well for your glory, to use the gifts that you've given them. Lord, I pray that you would help everyone this week as they're tired to get good rest, to remain healthy, and as they travel next week, that you would help them all to be safe so that we can return back here to continue to worship you. So God, I lift up our faculty, staff, and students and ask your blessings upon them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.